Social media has allowed everyone to see the world, but has it sparked a real travel bug? With so many pictures shot with drones, fisheye lenses and edited, can we even trust what we see? After years of epic dinner parties, long lunches and boozy brunches, we bring you Shaken and Stirred. Or rather, we are Shaken and Stirred. It's a distinctly British studio today. This is Nigel Barker. This is Shaken and Stirred. I'm here with my co-host, Tom Astor. Think beautiful destinations. Think hunky, bronzed demigods on rearing horses with the pyramids as a backdrop. <laughs> they were my guest judges on my YouTube show, Top Photographer. And when I say Tom and Jerry, it's not who you think. Welcome, Tom and Jeremy Jordan from Beautiful Destinations. Thanks Hi, guys. Hi, thank thank you. Thank you. That is the nicest intro we ever had. So, Oh, really? <laughs> I'm sure you hate it's the Tom and Jerry joke. No, come on. That's obviously Since very, very old. Yeah, yeah that's, that's your entire that's life. Out. Yes. And you hate it. I saw the no, eye roll. No, really, I quite yeah. like that. <laughs> I think it's funny. I like. I always like the cartoons. So, but yeah, it's always yeah, a it's bit been there since, since the Tom Aston, what are we drinking? All right, that's the good news because we started tailor making our cocktails to our guests. And Nigel and I last night we were humming this one over, and we've, we we come up with a straight up margarita. It's got a little secret ingredient in it, but we've got to call this one for our cocktail book of the future, the Sylvester. After. Very nice. hmm. After Tom and Jerry's favourite cat. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not sure that, that hasn't been used before. It's supposed to be relative in, in one little way, and that will be the last time it's discussed. Clearly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those. There's the connection. Like cheers. Yeah, 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 cheers, guys. Cheers. Love it. Thank you. There's the connection. Cheers. In full disclosure, when I asked Jeremy and Tom whether they'd like to have a drink, what they drink, their response was straight away, we hardly drink. We don't really <laughs> drink. And I was like, oh, come on. That's such <laughs> absolute rubbish. But no, no, no. But you guys are extremely healthy. I'm looking at you now. And I, I'm joking aside, because this is a podcast. Not everyone's watching this. They're listening. You are incredibly bronzed. You look like you've sun-kissed. But that's not just now. That's like at all times. Yes, we are very lucky. We have a Colombian mother. So grew up in Scotland. Father Scottish, all of that side of the family's in Scotland. But uh, but yeah, mum is from South America, so we have a, a bit of a head start on the town. You've got a head start on the town, but it's it's obviously a sort of occupational hazard because your jobs are absurd. I mean, obviously, if anyone follows you on, on social media, and they should if they don't, not just on your own handles, but under your names, Tom Jauncey, Jeremy Jauncey, but the Beautiful Destinations is just extraordinary. And since I first met you, the numbers of your followers have gone up millions and millions yes. and millions and in fact reading articles about beautiful destinations you know and they were just recent it's like five million followers then it's eight million followers then it's 10 million i think just now you're at 12.2 which is higher see look 12.2 was last night by the way so <laughs> i i'm 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 in you know i could actually date this entire show by giving you a number Absolutely. let's just say you're almost at 15 and you are somewhere but you know higher than 12 how the hell have you done that well, to be honest, we, we get asked that so much, but the, uh, the the starting point of all of it was an idea that social media was going to become a place where people would tell their life stories and travel 
because it's so visual, because the, the raw product is so visual, people would use Instagram in particular as a way to communicate what their day-to-day -day lives were. And so back in the early days of the app, we um, started connecting with people all over the world who were just telling the story of their lives through pictures and sharing it on Instagram. But so it's not like reality television, because I mean, reality TV in a way was the precursor of a mm. lot of social media. Mm. People you know, got to see behind the scenes and mm. it was very rough, it mm. was very unproduced. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's really not what Beautiful Destinations is. It's, or, or quite frankly, what your Instagram accounts are. And if you even dare to tell me that that is your life unproduced, <laughs> <laughs> I think I will throw up right now. <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I mean, try to work out why you got it wrong. No, where you went wrong. I don't know what the hell my life is like. No. I'm like, you know, literally, there's like little halos that they're sort of polishing in the morning. Because I, I, I see your, your your pictures, and I'm like, I actually hide them from my wife. I'm like, because if she sees what this is, what someone could look like, or the life she could be leading, I'm like horrified. Like, guys, do you have girlfriends? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do as well, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you weren't sure about each yeah. other. <laughs> so clearly you keep each other in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> How close are you? Well, no. we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're very close. close. We've done everything yeah. together. Pretty since. close, yeah. <laughs> very close. You didn't know he had a girlfriend? I'm liking yeah. this now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess we've been. it's been interesting as well because now that... That on social media you have an audience and people looking into your lives and everything. So I've actually been more so keeping that one to myself. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess you've seen that. Sorry, world, it's out now. Oh no, no, I mean it's, no, it's not, a, not a problem at all. <laughs> He's but. not available. <laughs> He's can, there goes those dreams. Sorry, it's a huge yeah. dip in, in, <laughs> in Tom's, Tom's audience. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> Boom. There go five but, million. Yeah. yeah. Viewers. yeah. <laughs> But no, it has been interesting because I think for us in the, in the very early days, we looked at travel and just thought the big companies that were doing it, the corporates within travel and specifically really the tourism boards were, were not doing a very good job at actually showing what raw, real travel looked like. It was always the couple on the beach holding hands and the kids at SeaWorld waving and smiling. Right. Cheesy, and I think, cheesy yeah, kind of cheesy, stuff. Yeah. Um, and we just thought, what are the raw and authentic moments that could be created, but in a much more premium way? And I think that was really sort of the origins to how do we put content at the forefront of everything? That's and the origins. But mm. I mean, I, again, being a photographer, being a you know, content creator myself, I've directed films and documentaries, you name it. What you produce is it has its own look and its own feel, its own mm. brand, its own identity. And it, it isn't necessarily, I wouldn't say raw, mm. right? And mm. it, it, or Or something that is really even necessarily access accessible. Mm -hmm. And I say mm -hmm. that not as a criticism at mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. because really you create a fantasy that is honest, it's mm -hmm. truthful, it's mm -hmm. not, there's no, nothing fake is happening, but you've given it a perspective mm -hmm. that is completely unique. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, how, how did that come about? What was the process of thinking, okay, this is the angle, this is the style, and you can't possibly be shooting it all either. Yeah. So how do you find those photographers who, who can see your vision? I think the big thing was just really looking for what, what's different out there, what isn't being shot, what are those perspectives that, you know, that haven't been shown within travel, and then going to a destination and doing the research and saying, okay, these are all the, and it's kind of a joke because it's become all the Instagrammable places and the Instagrammable moments. It's looking at those and then thinking, okay, well, what's the different perspective to that? And how can we bring in new technologies? So a big difference in the early days was drones. So drones kind Where of would you be without a drone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, drones really did change the perspective on how you looked at a destination 
inspiration just from that aerial shot. Um, and I think people had never really seen that before. And it's still, people would question like, how has that been done? Where is the camera? Um, and then always looking at what's the next technology. So we recently did a video where 360 was the big push and putting a 360 camera in a helicopter, people started to question, well, is there a drone outside of the helicopter? And that's almost the ultimate question is, we want people to be like, how was that done? What, what's going on here? And I think that was where we really just pushed ourselves. Every time we post something, what's the question around how that's being created? And I think that kind of keeps us at the, uh, at the top of our game, I guess. Well, it's that 30,000 foot sort of view that you show. I mean, you're not just are you in helicopters, but mm -hmm. it seems to be you're sort of hanging off the edge of buildings and you're often your, your feet feature, yeah. your shoes <laughs> feature in shot, which is always kind of hilarious, but terrifying at the same time, mm -hmm. especially for someone like myself, who's got a fear of heights. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, all those sorts of things, there's a sense of humor to the way you shoot too. And why is that, why do you think that's important? That sort of element of actually making it sort of funny too? Yeah, I mean, I think from our standpoint, we we tried um, we tried to define really distinct pillars to the brand so that the way you've just described things, um, someone outside who we'd never met before would describe us in exactly the same way. So they'd see a piece of Beautiful Destinations content and they'd know it was Beautiful Destinations. So um, what you're touching on is one of the sort of brand pillars for us, which is uh, wit and intellect finding ways to show a perspective that is a little bit clever, is a little bit different. So whether it is, um, you know, pr you know, showing showing the shoes directly above the Empire State Building, just to show the context of the fact that, you know, Tom in that case was literally directly above the Empire State Building, um, or whether it's finding clever ways to... But isn't um, it a huge FU to the public who are like, come and visit the Empire State Building, come and visit this beautiful island, and guess what? You won't see it from where I'm seeing it because no one else can do this. Well, to be honest, what we found is that a lot of people now can. There are mm. tools that allow you to go and do the things that we were doing. And it's in the early stages when we started out, definitely we were pushing things that uh, that hadn't been done. But now you can do helicopter tours around New York. But you, you can't can do... take the doors off and hang outside. With no, the shoes. Oh, you can. Yeah, it's yeah, become can. a big thing. It's yeah, you can. Off, off the back of a lot yeah. of the content, it's become, wow. I mean, around the world now. I had no idea. Up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Tom was doing it in Brazil, in Miami, in... I mean, London. places to hear there was a company called Vertical Rio in, in Brazil that literally said off the back of seeing Beautiful Destinations content, they wanted to create that service for people coming to Rio. And that's now blown up into its own business and into its own industry. Wow. And do you own a cut of that? Uh, no. <laughs> but, but the interesting damn, thing is that yeah. it is God. that wider content, uh, context of how a lot of content creation is then shaping things that change in culture. So Tom touched on it where... Uh, you know, whole, whole countries are seeing their tourism industries improve or change because of the impact of social media. And that's that's actually the business that we're in. So when we first met you, we were very much about creating content and putting it onto social. Um, but now the business, uh, you know, at a very high level actually does government consulting and strategy, helping them to think about how do they use digital and social channels to enhance to, the yeah, mm -hmm. to get people product. to come to the countries and mm -hmm. actually spend time there and spend money. And the wider drive for us is this very passionate belief that travel is a force for good. It is this universal language that connects people regardless of their age or their gender or their skin color or who they choose to pray to or any of the things that um, you may have misperceptions about. Travel is this unifying force. And so we're, we're able to get people excited to go out and travel by seeing this beautiful content. And then hopefully they start to spend their tourism dollars in the country that then has an impact too. Whilst expanding their minds. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and now we live in a generation, and you know, with, with your kids who spend so much time being informed about the world through mobile versus perhaps a magazine or, or TV, and now especially podcasting, they're finding different ways to learn about uh, what's happening around the world, mm. to get their news, how they interact with their family. I mean, you're amazing on social media and it enhances your brand and introduces new people to 
the Nigel Barker brand that probably wouldn't have found you had they been going through traditional channels. And that's mm-hmm. that's the wider movement that we we feel so so strongly about. No, absolutely. I mean, and I, I think that it's 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 one of the sadnesses that I've sort of have just always experienced in life is that most of the places I go, the people I meet have not traveled. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, travel is a luxury. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I felt very privileged as a child that my parents could afford to take us as a family to see parts of the world and mm-hmm. to open our eyes mm-hmm. to other cultures and experiences, religions, and just quite frankly, even the change of weather. I mean, mm-hmm. if you grew up in England and it's raining the whole time, the fact that there's a place where it hardly ever rains seems extraordinary, mm-hmm. you know, to feel sand underneath your toes. You know, I worked with the Make-A-Wish organization and I remember there was a little girl and her wish was to feel sand under her feet. Mm. That was wow. her wish, mm. yeah, you know, because she'd never experienced it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how important is travel for the people? And, and is it really, is it realistic? Because, I mean, a lot of people, and again, I'll talk about my son. Um, he's about to go on a school trip. We live upstate New York. Mm. And he's going to D.C. as a mm. class trip. Now, there are three kids in his class who he knows have never left the state of New York. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my son has been all over the world with mm-hmm. myself, with, with our family, because we travel and that's just, we're lucky enough to do that. Mm-hmm. But this is not everyone's reality. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so how important is it? And, and is it a, and what else are you doing for people? Because, you know, if they can't travel, they do get to see the world through mm-hmm. your, your Yeah, ex- exactly. So I, we think of it in sort of two, two tiers. The first is that... Um, the, the, the act of travel itself is uh, is accessible to, to certain people. And the hope is that through that experience, you can learn a new culture, you can understand that people on the other side of the world are just the same as you. Um, we really are, in essence, better if we are together rather than, than being apart. And travel is that vehicle that, that helps you to, to do that. And we've also been very lucky to have traveled all over the world and met lots of different people who, who share that view. But the mission for us with Beautiful Destinations is, A, if you do have the means to travel, we can inspire you to travel. But if you don't, you can still have that moment of inspiration, that moment of excitement by seeing a piece of our content, even if you may not be able to travel. And that hope is that it may change your perspective on um, your, your own locality. So as simple as, you know, someone living in the middle of Manhattan who on the corner of the street, um, there's a local store that's run by someone who isn't from the US or someone who comes from overseas. And the perspective that they have growing up could be changed about that nationality by seeing a piece of content from uh, from that nation and realizing actually they're, they're just like us. Like it really is something that we can all relate to. So the hope is that if you can't travel, you can still enjoy our content and get a perspective of the world that will open your mind. And then I guess in another area is around this influx of people creating content. Um, so what we've seen is that people have seen our content and been inspired to pick up the camera. And the Philippines would be a great example of that, where mm. we shot a campaign. It was about three years ago. And the island was relatively unknown, at least in the social media space. And we just exposed, exposed a what different What was the name side. of the island? Uh, Morocco. Oh, Philippines yeah, itself. Yeah, the oh, whole, whole country. Oh, yeah, the whole like an island within the Philippines. No, no, no. no like no. Morocco. The whole country. No, no, no. But it was, it was relatively unknown from social media. And then we basically started creating content about it. And it just inspired actually the local kids, the local people from the Philippines to pick up cameras and to actually start showcasing their hometowns because they started to see how successful that was. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting that there was almost like an upskilling element to it where local people would look at content as a new way to, one, express themselves, but also as a way of generating incomes for themselves. Mm-hmm. I love so the fact I think that, that was you cool. hear these boys just said they, they basically discovered the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> these guys put okay, the Philippines well, on the map I, I through beautiful you, destinations. You You're saving the world. <laughs> One Instagram post at a time. Guys, how many people do you know have, have been on holiday to the Philippines? 
I don't know any. On holidays. Well, not here. Yeah. Well, not from, you know, but more locally up mm. there. Well, that's mm. the point. I mean, mm. they, they probably, I think you could probably Let count me, the credit had, with had, discovering the Philippines. I had one of the most, one of the most, <laughs> extraordinary, <laughs> one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life in the Philippines. I was shooting out there and America's Next Top Model was very popular in the mm-hmm. Philippines. And, you know, they, they actually provide us with all this incredible security. I'm not sure if they did the same for you while you were there, but it was a very unusual thing that never normally happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, for the weekend, they said, oh, look, we're going to take you away somewhere where no one knows you. No one's watched Top Model. You'll be safe. You can relax, chill out by the pool, have a great time. We're like, fantastic. And we actually flew in a helicopter to Boracay, mm-hmm. I think it's the name mm-hmm. of the island. And mm-hmm. we went to this hotel. And as soon as we arrived, my security was in front of me because we still had security as we walked in. And then this guy just jumped up immediately from the pool and started running towards us. And my security guys literally formed a wall in front. Wow. And I'm like, and he's like, I'm your number one fan. I'm your number one fan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm like, oh, okay, it's great. And they were like, what do you want to do, Mr. Barker? And I'm like, no, it's fine. Just, just sit, say hi, take a picture. It's good. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. You know, this wasn't meant to happen. Really I'm like, no, no, said. it's fine. It's fine. That's really what I said. Check out this though. So this guy goes, no, no, I'm really your number one fan. He lifts up his shirt and on his arm is my face and my name tattooed to his arm. A complete likeness. I've got the photograph. Once I saw that, I'm like, I want a picture. (laughs) I'm like, can I get a shot? That is crazy. And you can check out my Instagram. I'll post that picture because it's too funny for words. But hey, I know definitely Philippines now on the map. I think none of us are safe. Does that, does that happen in most countries? We've been under. Someone will roll well, up. I, I saw you. I saw you on the side of your arm. Yeah. Actually, it's very <laughs> yeah. sweet of you. you know. it's there, yes. Yeah, it's just there. It gets yeah. bigger when you flex. Is that what happens? Yeah, I love that. So, tell us about your first trip ever. Mm. I mean, you, as a kid, what was it? What, you know, you, do you grew up traveling? Do you remember your first trip? Um, well, I guess probably because my parents explained it to me but i was i was actually born in caracas in venezuela mm. and uh mum and dad were there for i think 3 or 4 years before we moved back to the uk and um they've they've told me and, and since shown me photographs of them being able to you know take boats up and down the amazon and go out to these beautiful beaches so i guess that's probably the very very first trip that i can remember but i think as we became sort of you know, into our early teens, we started to do more family holidays mm-hmm. together. What, what's your first? Um, I mean, Colombia was one. I think that was when I was about seven or so, and you must have been about ten. Yeah. Um, that was definitely one because obviously mum's from there, and it was interesting to see the culture and everything. And I, I was actually too young to do one of the big hikes, but Jeremy went up one of the big mountains, and mm-hmm. the Guaki mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the mountain. Um, but actually, interestingly, the one that really stuck out for me was when I was about twelve. We went to Miami, and mm. that was my first experience into the U.S. And at that point, I always remember just the culture there. The beaches and mum's family was actually in Miami so that was like a really that was kind of introduction to the states and we did all the Orlando's and all the um, like theme parks and everything and that was kind of like the introduction to US culture and I think at that point I realized why wow, I, I want to live in the states at some mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. Um, I think I got back and I remember I bought a big photo of New York and it was in my room in Scotland and I always remember thinking actually mum recently got it out of storage which is kind of funny she took a photo and sent it over to us and it's of all the yellow cabs in New York and I think the Miami trip was just a a good like introduction into could I go to the States at some point and little would I know I guess 10 years later I'd be moving out to, to America. But I think that's how interesting and how important travel is because I have a very similar story but mm-hmm. I was about 12 years old and we visited Orlando mm-hmm. and I went to Disney World mm-hmm. and that was my first time coming to the States and you know when you all you do is watch movies about a country mm-hmm. you know and I, I, growing up in the 70s you know it's all I'd seen with the various movies that were out there and 
and all of a sudden I go and where do I go? I go to Disney World. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, America really is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it really is fantasy. This is like, you know, obviously it's not the whole country, but when mm-hmm. you're a kid and that's mm-hmm. what you see. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is making me feel really bad because I have managed to withhold taking my kids. I have. <laughs> I, have I am not surprised even slightly. To take them to Disney World or to Orlando or to do any of those things. Or sort How of old are they now? I just and, they, and they will never leave. They will never leave the county of Oxford. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've just done this awful disservice. Because listen to you guys, you know, well, we discovered ruined. the world, you know, discovered America through, through Disney World. I'm feeling really bad. Well, you, your entire family left the US and you have no desire yeah, no, that's to return. Like, okay, yeah, we left in the first place, didn't we? That's okay. the whole point. Sorry. I think right. for me, that We've moment... We've been here before. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it set a level, though, for me where I literally, for the rest of my sort of teen years, all I was looking forward to was how I was going to return to the US and yeah, I was going to live there. And I knew yeah, that's what I was going to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I really was like, I was so fascinated with a place that... Where it's, obviously, I was in a dream world because America is not Disney World. Mm. But there was a touch of like the the, the lightness and the the, the, the weather, the, mm. the, the you know everything that was going on there. It seemed like anything was possible. Absolutely. And it set Absolutely. something in me that thought, okay, if everything is possible there, I want to go there. Absolutely. And see the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the foundation of the country, and it's it yeah. is now the so your kids' generation and certainly the generation below that are they're seeing many many more countries through social media, and they're getting mm. exposed to so many more cultures at a younger age that it comes back to the, I think the fundamental insight for us that you can chat with pretty much anybody about some kind of travel experience. Someone can ask you, can you remember your first trip or what was your favorite holiday? And and those are things that everyone can relate to in, in some capacity or is there a place you've ever wanted to visit? And it just unites people and it starts so many discussions. And we've certainly been all over the world and met um, you know, successful businessmen and, um, you know, people who live in the mountains with just kind of the, the bare necessities of life. And all of them have some kind of story or some kind of aspiration uh, around travel. Um, I think that, that I mean, that gives you so, somewhat of a purpose for why you're doing what you're doing. And it's just inspiring to be able to now do it on, um, you know, on, on platforms that people are spending so much of their time. Has social, how much has social media changed the travel industry? Oh, hugely. I mean, absolutely hugely. In I think, what capacity? I think the first thing is around inspiration. I, I think there's certainly a generation, and you guys might be able to relate to how you discovered places the first time that you did whether it was through magazines or through tv there's a whole generation of people probably actually again your, your kids who they don't know what it's like to have to go to one place in the house to get internet access they don't know what it's like to have to dial up to get onto the internet because it's ubiquitous and it's in their hand and it's anywhere and everywhere like not having internet yeah <laughs> your kids just like, I mean, we are being age shamed here by the way no 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 tom ba- tom basically you live in a hole under a rock age shaming going it's because there's no can video remember? so we're just yeah. trying to find can you remember not having a mobile phone remember <laughs> i can remember when computers weren't around by the way boys i can uh, i know you're looking at me laughing like really that doesn't i think experiences as well there's mm-hmm. I mean one that always stick with me was um, the swimming pigs of Exumas yeah. um, so in the Bahamas so that wasn't really advertised before and I hadn't really seen that until social media popped up they were and keeping then, that to themselves yeah <laughs> then we will not out, share these swimming pigs yeah. <laughs> but with it's, anyone it's funny that you then find out that there are these pigs that are swimming around and what's the story behind the pigs and why are they there and then how do you I get I saw someone one of those pigs bite I know, a model's yeah, butt we, yeah, on, yeah, on social well, media the other day <laughs> I saw that I think I sent you that video yeah absolutely yeah yeah so and do you think some of these videos and some of these sort of exposés on social media can have a negative connotation to, to travel? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And how definitely. does that happen? Well, we're seeing a lot of um, places around the world where social media is also causing overpopulation, uh, so over-tourism. Mm-hmm. So Barcelona, very public example. Um, I think it was 
beginning of last year, uh, there was a very public outcry from citizens in Barcelona against Airbnb um, and against um, social media because of just too many tourists being in Barcelona. And so uh, I think the same is true in Reykjavik in Iceland and a, a bunch of other places, Venice, where tourism has um, has had a negative impact. But so is, des- is beautiful destinations banned in Barcelona? Well, so, so it's funny because <laughs> what we end up doing is when Stop we start... making to, us look so pretty. Well, when we yeah. work with organizations that may have a challenge like that, the opportunity is, is actually what they call regional dispersion, which is pushing people to places that are lesser known. So if you take a train ride outside of Barcelona, there are plenty of beautiful places that are just not as well known by people. And if you can create content and put them on social media, start to help them trend, then you can uh, move people away from the overcrowded places and then also start to generate an economy for a place that hasn't. And I think that I think that's the opportunity of the future. A lot of Are you putting mm-hmm. yourselves out there as consultants on I mean, basically is a lot of your work these days advising It is, yeah. The yeah. people with with problem either either not enough tourists or too many tourists, both ways. So you're, exactly. you're advising both Exactly, yeah. Okay. So so the business, although it started in social I could I could advise on people with too many tourists. <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you with your social media. Like, you know, no one will want to come visit you <laughs> after I've been there. Um but but yes, in, in a nutshell, that's how the business works right. now. Um and as I guess, I mean, social media has been through somewhat of a reckoning with the things that are being said very publicly about Facebook and some of the, the regulation that's coming into place, which I think is very important. Um, but it's, I think it's now presenting opportunities to people to use the systems more responsibly right. and to actually help um, recognize Focus. that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But it, it can be a catch-22 because you've got places like Hawaii that the unwritten rule of Hawaii is not to tell anyone where to go. And there are places that have been blowing up on social media that the locals are now very upset about because mm. they were the hidden coves or the hidden beaches, mm. which are now getting overpopulated by the person that wants to get that photo. So it's kind of, you want to expose some of these beautiful places, but you also want to respect that someone lives there and someone's yeah. been going there for the last 20 years. Absolutely. Mm. We have yeah. a, a house mm. down in, in Point Clear, Alabama that we've been mm. visiting for, I don't know, since my wife and I have been together 20 odd years mm-hmm. and every time i'm down there i'm posting about it and sh- taking photographs of the you know the gulf of mexico mm-hmm. and the, the, the big oak trees with the hanging spanish moss mm-hmm. and it's incredibly romantic and what have you beautiful old plantation house and literally i get comments immediately from people saying please stop giving away our hidden secrets yeah, we absolutely. don't want people down here yeah, in point absolutely. clear alabama in point clear <laughs> alabama <laughs> just go anytime except for christmas when i'm there but isn't it isn't it something that's um happening all over i mean i, I live in the cotswolds mm-hmm. right yeah. and and it's comp- the the place where i grew up and you know i, I was born there and the place mm-hmm. where i grew up this is absolutely everything has changed apart mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. pretty little stone walls mm-hmm. and the you know chocolate box villages the people have changed the locals have changed. There aren't any locals. Really? I mean, not, yeah. half the villages are empty or weak because of the people homes. coming out from London. So Brexit will f- fix all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No one really knows what, whether it's happening. Anyway, that's not an entirely different subject. But they, but it, it had a really negative. It's had a really great um, uh, impact on you know if you're a real if you're selling real estate there, mm. and you know my farm suddenly worth you know. Hundred times more than it was ten years ago. I don't mm-hmm. care. I live there. You know, mm-hmm. it's but it's, everything's pushed all the locals out, and it's mm-hmm. had a very negative impact. At the same time, there's there's no drive to you know the Oxford, Oxfordshire, the, the county in which it's in, aren't, aren't going to go out of their way to you know tell people to stop coming and spending their money in the yeah, county. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's a complicated issue. It's it really, really it, it is. Uh, I think it, it talks to so many. Um, you know, different societal changes. I mean, people people now are, um, for example, they. 
younger generations don't really care about owning things anymore. They want these travel experiences. So they don't necessarily want to stay in hotels or own homes. They want to stay in Airbnbs. They don't want to own cars. They want to use Uber. The, the, the way that people travel wow. is so different now. And I think, I think the statistic is something like 1.2 billion international trips happened last year. And there's a rising middle class around the world that for the first time is seeing a combination of increasing populations with the affluence to be able to travel combined with low-cost airlines expanding their reaches around the world. So travel is more accessible to to people. Um, and when governments think about how they do the, their planning, they, they need to find ways to push people to new regions. So the, the Indonesian government, for example, announced, I think a, a couple of years ago, um, a project called 10 New Balis, which is basically to, to show the world that there are at least 10 other islands that are just as beautiful as Bali, um, present all the same opportunities that you'd go if you went to Bali. Um, so so why don't you just go there? Because yeah. Bali is completely full. What about Malaysia? Have you ever worked with Malaysia? We, we haven't, but yeah. it's it's that whole kind of Asian resurgence seems they to be They need your help. They just made an announcement that there are no gay people in Malaysia. Did they really? Yeah. So, the minister, yeah. Was it the Minister of Tourism? The Minister of Tourism. The Minister of Tourism. Yeah. There's yeah. no yeah. gay people in, in Malaysia. Yeah. So I was like, well, heck, I should go. They literally, they <laughs> literally what said, think, oh, I can finally wow. go. I can finally go. <laughs> I mean, it's just the most absurd thing. As if that when somehow, that I didn't just recently, it. just in yeah, the past really, few weeks, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just shocking, really, to be honest with you. But yeah. anyway, you have, you know, your videos, they, they come out there. They're not just about, um, I guess, promoting the country. But sometimes they have a little messages that, that mm. are wrapped into the stories. And mm. you recently did a video, Euro Tripping. That's yeah. just come out. It's well done. A huge success. Millions and millions of views. I think 15 million views you mentioned to me. But it does have a little bit of a political undertone to it. Mm-hmm. What makes you take that kind of risk? And when do you decide to do that? Is that something you've been asked to do? Is that something that's an internal just a decision you want to make? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I, I guess we've been, we've been looking at it from a, a standpoint 30. of purpose-driven entertainment with the idea that there's content out there that could to show an amazing visual. And, and in the past, we did a lot of things where it was purely about the destination. And we had a series called Let's Go. And it was just showing a beauty reel of, of a destination. And then we started to think, well, how do we get into more storytelling? And I think the interesting learning during that process was then telling very um, monologue-based stories, retroactive lookbacks at individuals that might have an interesting story, but realizing that actually there was no one in the middle that was really combining our high-energy visuals with an interesting story. And so we did this campaign last year where we looked at going to 20 countries in 30 days and during that process we met the European Parliament and they invited us in to meet the team and it was interesting to hear from them that they were talking about youth participation around the world for elections is at an all-time low and people who the future generation that are going to be impacted by these policies are not actually getting out there and Mm -hmm. sharing their views Mm -hmm. and during that trip we were then inspired well wow could we make this campaign of traveling around Europe actually be about that so could we start to actually have more of a purpose-driven element through entertainment that could actually make a difference? And it's interesting to see that we then, it wasn't about being political. It wasn't, we're not going to take one side or the other. We're just going to say, go out and actually make your, uh, your have vote. your voice. Yeah, mm, discuss just your go vote. out and have your vote and, exactly. and, and stand up for what you believe. And that was really interesting because some people could have looked at it as risky, but we felt that no one in the space is really diving onto this purpose-driven content. Mm-hmm. And whether that's anything from gender equality through to conservation efforts with wildlife through Mm-hmm. to um, climate change how can we make that entertaining because the reality is in the past it's been very it's been very somber you often see the water commercials they're very sad and they make you feel guilty but do you actually do anything off the back of that mm-hmm. it was like um, rock the vote i mean i think what you're sort of saying is similar to rock the vote mm-hmm. getting the youth move, yeah. youth out there to, mm-hmm. to actually realize no no, no I, if i don't speak up then I, I don't actually have 
the right to say, you know, this isn't my decision. If you don't vote, if you don't make a decision, you don't mm -hmm. put yourself out there, mm -hmm. then why should well, you that, be heard? And there's that whole Brexit thing, isn't it? The 75% of 25-year-olds and under who voted, voted Remain. 75% mm -hmm. of Mm. 65 and over voted out yeah. of which they reckon quarter of a million people who voted out were already dead exactly wow. exactly i mean something wow. like that yeah which yeah. is nuts yeah. you know because you're just screwing up the future of uh, you know everyone else but yeah. mm. so we're trying to play this role where we can be that conduit um between messages that really matter and uh as tom said this this concept of purpose driven entertainment where the younger generation, they, they do care. Like our generation does really care about the future uh, of the environment, um, the future of gender equality, which Tom talked about, the future of work, the future of all of these different things. But um, the people that seem to be running the big corporations or running governments or running these big organizations um, have never created content or told their messages in a way that's going to inspire young people. So, um, you know, you have the United Nations General Assembly here in September, where for the last how many decades the output of a week like that is you know 100 page documents that nobody's going to read you have to turn those things into instagram stories you have to turn those things into videos that are fun and engaging to it's watch. almost deliberate that no one's going to read it <laughs> yeah, maybe i think it's sort of like <laughs> strategy. You'll, you'll never get through this yeah, yeah. so just deal with it and live with it yeah. your storytelling is remarkable but it's certainly not the average storytelling on social media i mean mm -hmm. most people if they're using their phone or they it's just a constant stream it's one shot but in, in euro tripping for example mm -hmm. you have elements that make it look like a harry potter movie or mm -hmm. something i mean they've got newspapers and you're diving into the photographs and the mm -hmm. pictures and mm -hmm. heck you've even got some amazing guy to do a vo <laughs> i mean that was really the, the selling we point quite quickly. frankly i don't know where you got him from or <laughs> how much you paid him but it voice. was that voice unbelievable and i think i got at least 10 additional followers out of that so you know sorry it was me um no but it, all you have to do is clench your buttocks as well <laughs> in order to in order to get that sort of tone, tone. Pitch that Nigel. <laughs> Actually, did I, at the I, I also put a very hot podcast. He did. The, he got very sort of clenched buttocks about that. <laughs> when you were introducing everybody. It was just like you sort of you slightly like raised up. You're learning. Also, I'm learning. He's learning. No, I'm, yeah. I know. I learned from him actually how to put a hot potato in my mouth and juggle it around <laughs> as I speak. So it really sounds like I'm you know, very, very trophy nosed with this hot, <laughs> hot potato bouncing my mouth. Anyway, Tom. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. So tell me about the secret of storytelling with your photography. What mm -hmm. what are the what are the kinds of photographers that you look for? I mean, you shoot some of it yourself, Tom, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and Jeremy, do you shoot as well? I don't know. No, I don't. So I don't shoot at all. More, I mean, Tom definitely can talk to the creative side, but on the business side, we brought in um, a couple of quite high-profile leaders that have been helping shape the vision alongside Tom. So um, a guy called Remy Carlios, who was the the global creative director of Puma for seven eight years joined us to help lead part of the creative visioning of our content. And this is a man who, um, you know, worked with Rihanna when they did the Fenty partnership through Puma, did the same thing with ASAP Rocky and Selena Gomez and Big Sean and a whole host of um, very high profile lifestyle figures and really helped that brand move from being a running brand into being a lifestyle brand and being relevant to um, to young people. So his perspective from a creative standpoint really helps shape a lot of our, our content. But also very recently we brought in um, a guy called Gabor Harash and Gabor was the head of entertainment at Red Bull for seven years. So he, he's 
one of the guys that played a pivotal role in building the Red Bull um, Media Studio, which was the huge entertainment arm that they that they built to to pivot the business away from just being a, a drinks business. So and they do an amazing job. Very amazing. All really, the yeah. Major sports. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and all that but I mean, if you break it back to what it originally was, it really was just an energy drink that's now expanded into this mm-hmm. this global phenomenon. So those guys, certainly from a business side, set a lot of the creative visioning. But Tom, you have a pretty unique perspective. Yeah, I mean, on I think content, it's, it's been looking for different people. It's really finding the talent through social media. So finding the young guys that are picking the camera up and getting and growing up with technology. I think that's the difference Mm. is some of the guys that we're working with are literally 17, 18, 19, 21 years old. And they've grown up with technology. They've grown up with all of the the GoPros when they were, I don't know, 10 years old or whatever. So those guys know how to make something engaging for that audience. And I think that's the big difference is in the past, you would go to a very professional older director who would say, this is traditionally how it would always be done. Stop Um, looking at me. Why are you looking at Tom? And then you say that and you look at me and Oh, God's sake. But I think it's more, it's little things like how do you capture someone's attention within the first three seconds, Mm -hmm. knowing that in a video that's so key on the social platforms we're putting out content. Oh, I love this. Come on, listen, Um, everyone listen in here. This is very important. He's giving away secrets. And then just little things like how are you changing the pace of your content and how when it maybe is starting to hit a lull, do you suddenly hit someone with a crazy helicopter scene or a crazy 360 twist or whatever it might be? And I think it's just getting these people who are wishing or just trying to push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. and trying to do things differently. And that, that's my biggest thing. I'm always looking for someone that's innovating and whether that's through a different style of camera movement or a different way of actually using editing. I editing, think right? Editing mm-hmm. is the key thing. Mm-hmm. So the Eurotripping video, we brought in um, a new creator that's got visual effects specialities. So this guy was able to come up with concepts and come up with ideas that you could then execute, which seemed like a Hollywood movie, like a Harry Potter newspaper. And that became like a cool idea in our head. And then when we started to break down, this is actually possible with certain different softwares and we don't need a whole team to do that we can get one individual working on that solely that just opens up the creative opportunities so I think it's also like how do you start to surprise people that's that's the biggest piece is like how do you start to show someone something they're not expecting like I don't think anyone was expecting to see a London opening scene suddenly turn into a Harry Potter newspaper and then they thought maybe that was the trick and then to hit them with a whole 360 video like we purposely kept 360 out of the video until 40 seconds knowing that people may not engage with 360 video but if they're already 40 seconds into the video they're already hooked on how exciting this is then they're hit with something new like like a vo yeah, <laughs> which just which you forgot to mention. That was, so that it was, was interesting. You forgot to the, mention the highest the drop off. Yeah, the highest the highest drop off on viewership was during the VO. Yeah, uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> end of, end it was, of it, was actually, it actually yeah. looks like Ouch. you might be about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> My buttocks Nigel. are definitely not clenched right now. All I no, can I'm say. joking. Honestly, the VO was absolutely genius. A number of people who have messaged us saying, uh, one, that they didn't initially know it was Nigel, and then when they found out that it was Nigel, it was just, it was such a happy moment for them. His nose has just got incredibly no, brown. No. <laughs> I can't believe, for boys who say they don't drink, and because this is a podcast no one can tell, I can't believe you're on your third margarita. <laughs> <laughs> Eight thirty in the morning. Really unbelievable. <laughs> you guys are the best. So, how did you crack the social media code? Because mm-hmm. that's really what you guys have kind of done. I mean, a lot of people are trying to produce great content, and mm-hmm. look, you're saying all the right things, and I get it. But you're not the first people people to think about. Okay, we need to edit this well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a thousand great companies out there with great creative directors. You've got something else. Do you know? I mean, obviously, you're not going to give away your secrets. But what was it? What was that moment when you're like, you know what? We've really got something here. I think we both 
felt so passionately about building the brand and being very, very clear about how that brand would be portrayed uh, in all the different places that when people saw Beautiful Destinations content around the world, they were instantly able to go, oh, that's a piece of BD content. And that, that certainly meant in the early days um, being very particular about the way that we shot and very particular about the colors that we used and the, the way that we would use our editing <coughs> software. And I think that that gave us a, a very unique positioning so that people can see our content anywhere. And now when we brief people, we've just put in place this whole process, which um, Gabor, the, the Red Bull guys, helped us kind of map out is a, a very detailed structure for how you pitch a story, how you develop a narrative arc, <coughs> how you actually introduce characters. How do we now cast in our content? How do we tell stories? What... Um, pillars do we tell stories about and when we again when we first met you we were very much just doing photo and tom started as a photographer and uh now the, the business is i'd say 90 percent video video yeah. is really the the core of what we of what we do and video is extending now into you know as he, as he said the, the three second instagram video all the way up to the the 12 minute you know even 20 or 30 minute netflix um, piece of content as well but that mm -hmm. three seconds is that's so hard to get your mind around yeah you know because you, th you think video mm. you're not thinking three seconds of well, video. It, it's different per platform mm. right so so what you do on instagram has to be different to what you do on youtube which then has mm. to be different again to what might be the in-flight video in british airways or what mm. might be the tv commercial on um but why is our attention span so small i guess is my point <laughs> i get it yeah. that you don't you need different pieces of content for different platforms but what on earth is wrong with people that we look at something and yeah. three seconds is about all we've got yeah, I think it's because there's so much content. So much, mm. right? yeah, yeah. So much and content, that yeah. that's been the big thing for us is how do we how do you how do you just stand out? Um, I think the other part of it. Was so do you have to reverse engineer the videos though? So instead of having the sort of climax at the end, have the climax at the beginning. We we definitely think through that. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like one of the things that we kind of visualize is if you're if it, if it's a ten minute video for example, what what one scene represents your video and how mm. do you show that up front? And how do you get someone to come without ruining that? the story? Without yeah. ruining the story, what's, yeah. what's the thumbnail for your YouTube? Yeah. Because we know that the thumbnail dri um, drives a massive amount of um, mm. views on on the video. What do you do with that? I mean, I, I mean, I'm at home. I actually go through my thumbnails yeah. and I show my wife, and then I show my kids, yeah, and I kind of think who is the person that's most likely. That I'm trying to kind of get to look at this video, and it's mm. is exactly. that what you guys do too? Are you in the oh, office, like, I mean, everyone yeah, absolutely. kind of votes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's not so much individuals who vote. It's actually lo it's looking at the data, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's something that you know we've been jumping into a lot recently is what does our audience tell us they want what are they reacting to mm -hmm. so um like tom said when everyone dropped off when your voiceover came on like, <laughs> <laughs> not to ever there goes my career in voiceovers is done but it was not subjective the data told yeah. us that was it's taking the subjective out of it mm -hmm. and looking at what's the insight on how you should be creating content the and then yeah the truth yeah <laughs> the truth. but oh, the hell with the truth the other part that i think um jeremy was briefly touching on is um we realized that we were onto something when we built the community mm -hmm. and i think the community is the big play to it is that there's a lot of we, we could have gone down a different direction and made um more of a more of sort of a I guess a community around me and Jeremy, for example, but instead we made it about the brand and we made it about other people that can contribute to the brand. And I think people started to feel ownership of my picture can get featured on Beautiful Destinations or I can create something that could get me um, could get me some coverage on Beautiful Destinations, for example. How does a photographer and get featured on Beautiful Destinations? Well, we have a three tiers. So we have we have a team now that we've hired in-house. So, and and they're, again, they're largely videographers and editors uh, who are full-time salaried employees. Um, the, the business in New York has about 50 employees who are um, the core team. Um, we then have an extended network of um, ambassadors and freelancers um, who we call on. And either we say to them, guys, we've got, uh, you know, 
five stories this month that we want to we want to make would you be interested in pitching in what are your thoughts or this particular client wants us to come and shoot a campaign about a b and c would you like to be involved um or the reverse where um creators now know that they can come to us with their ideas mm -hmm. so they can say i've always wanted to tell the story about xyz and and we can we can make that come to life and then and then every so often we're, we're very surprised by just people in the community i think there's mm -hmm. I forget I forget the exact numbers. So I might get it wrong, but I think it's something like over 20 million pieces of content on Instagram are tagged with beautiful destinations, which are just normal people sending, essentially sending us their work and trying to be discovered. So we're we're also finding content through through they, that. They wouldn't well. have just accidentally thought that their picture was a beautiful destination. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the name does lend itself. Yeah. To being, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it does, God, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting insight that we've seen recently. Is that actually a lot of top performing video content is a very simple iPhone video and literally a panning video of a beautiful destination. And I think one of the one of the insights from that is that our audience see that as more um, more relevant or more appealing to them because they could put themselves in that moment. So it's not necessarily always the premium DSLR video, but mm. it could just be an iPhone shot that is just a bit more attainable. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that people are, are hashtagging beautiful destinations, they're tagging us the whole and time. You, but you don't, obviously if 20 million people are doing it, you can't possibly be sifting through the 20 million. How do you yeah. actually look at the ones that are? No, you're right. I mean, we have a team that, that looks at it because there, mm. there is so much content there. Mm -hmm. And the audience now, I mean, we have beautiful destinations um, on Instagram, but it's also on multiple other platforms and we have beautiful hotels and beautiful cuisines. And so our our whole global audience now is, is, is well over 20 million. So we do need a team that's managing that and looking at that content. So when it was just Tom and I, uh, you know, it was a little harder to manage. And what do you, I mean, you said, obviously, you were looking at statistics or whatever. Mm. But mm. when you're looking at content, there isn't a statistic to whether a photo, photo is going to become viral or going to be a big success. Mm -hmm. what are you, what's your criteria? What do you look at in that photograph and think, that has the magic. Mm -hmm. what, who does that? Who, who well, decides so it's, it's interesting. Maybe Jeremy can talk to a bit more. But we, in the early days, Jeremy's big bet was around data and mm. was looking at visual analytics. So the concept that actually you could start to break down what constitutes a beautiful image on social media, and that could be anything from certain colors perform better to the size of the picture, the size of the person in the picture versus the landscape. So those were little things, and maybe Jeremy can talk a little bit about. Yeah, that. we originally thought um, from the from the picture side of things, what were the elements that that almost the, the sort of digital fingerprint of that image that that made it successful on our channels. Um, and as Tom said, the color and the hue and the percentage of person versus what is landscape. The color? Well, so so this is the funny thing is that actually it varies from. Um, I promise uh, everyone out there, he's going to give me the answer to this. <laughs> it varies from geographies, but it also varies from different accounts. So, um, like CSI. Well, no. The funny thing is, honestly, Nigel, we get asked all the time, "What's the secret to a good picture? Mm. What do I need to do so that I can post a good picture?" <laughs> and the reality is that what works for us may not work for you, and may not work for somebody oh, else. For goodness' sake! So, so I'm going to get on a horse. I'm going to get on a horse. I'm going to get on a horse. Take my shirt off. You know, position some pyramids behind me and get it to rear. Who took that picture? <laughs> um, Some passerby. That was just a local tourist. Yeah, just a local. <laughs> just walking past, just as the horse reared. Yeah, but I'd love to see the analytics on that one. <laughs> one of the funny things that we did see, in, I guess, in the early days, was actually a lot of heavily edited, um, saturated content mm -hmm. would always perform well. And then we realised, well, that's not really the real moment from that place. So we started to scale that back a bit, and it got to the point where our top performing picture of all time for about two or three years was a shot from Amsterdam where the leaves were all falling, but all the leaves were pink and you knew that that could never have existed but someone had made an edit of it and it was kind of like this cross between data and creative the data showing that that's what's going to perform but creatively i absolutely hated it um but our followers had actually engaged with that content so it it is always a bit we're now pushing more to being more real because 
like social media has also created this element of going to a destination mm. and being surprised that what you'd seen on Instagram, that was photoshopped. And I remember one, I went to Thailand and I went to this temple where I'd seen a boat was there and the whole lake had been photoshopped. And I was like, what? And I, I messaged one of the creators. I was like, where is this spot? And they're like, oh, well, actually, this is kind of, I kind of did a bit of editing here. So you got to be careful on that stuff. Or, yeah. Mm. Um, so we're kind of- Is there, a web, is there a, 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 an Instagram platform that tells you where not to go? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm sure there, I'm sure there probably is. Yeah, sure not is. beautiful destinations. <laughs> Hideous <laughs> destinations. I, I do actually have no, a shittest destination. Shittest destination Really shit yeah. destination. You have that. I have that. I have shit destinations. I got it for Jeremy's 30th a while back. I got him. His birthday present was that. And I got all of his friends to take a funny picture on the toilet in shit destinations. <laughs> it was, Quite literally. Yeah. Right. Literally, yeah. So you've got the Instagram shit I do have that, yeah. That's so good. Where is what is the most beautiful place to go and take a photograph? Where is the easiest place? Um, well, I mean, you'll, you'll know as a photographer, place, it's really timing of the day. And, you of know, course. Yeah, Tom is, Tom is definitely far more expert than I am um, on, on that. But, I mean, f for us, we've seen... Uh, yeah, where would you, where would you say it's You must have numbers, come on. I mean, Santorini always kills mm, it. That right. place just blows up. Bali is another one. Those mm. two are our two, uh, probably the two top Tokyo performing. for yeah. the cherry, uh, cherry blossoms. But it's, um, um, I mean, it also depends. I mean, personal preference, like Rio for me. But why, why do you think that is then? Why do you think it is places like Santorini? I mean, obviously Santorini is gorgeous, mm -hmm. right? And there's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But is there something about a destination like that that everyone in the world wants to see that at one time in their life? Yeah, is that what so. it is? Yeah, is that I what think, this think, thing, like I the cherries it, in yeah. DC, like that's a thing you hear about all over the world. Is yeah. that how it works? I mean, in a way. I, I think so. I think you'll see the, the, the big iconic things that happen around the world tend to perform really well on social media. So the Holy Festival in India, you know, just, just goes crazy when, when we share it or um, Lantern Festival in Chiang Mai or things that are culturally relevant and also visually appealing. Um, they, they, they tend to do really, really well. these are things well. that have also been done and photographed many, many, many times, right? So it's hard yes. to re, you know, reinvent the wheel, so There's to speak. There's a part that aesthetically, the color if you think of with Santorini, it's the white buildings with the sunset and the, the reds and the oranges hitting that, and that works well. And then you've got Bali, for example, the greens and the way that the forests look and like the, the greens and the brands. And it's, I think those are some of the ones that we've seen like really perform well, but there is an element of it is your bucket list moment. And those mm. places are where you could picture yourself going. If you, if, if you, if you wanted to travel, you'd potentially go to those places. Bucket list, you just mentioned it, boys. Where do you want to go? Where have you oh, not been and where do you want to go? I, I, Norway is really high on my list at the moment. I've never, I've never been to Norway. Um, there's a place, um, no I, I posted about it recently. Yeah, there's a place um, called Lofoten Islands, which is uh, a beautiful, beautiful set of islands in the, in, in the northern part of Norway. That, Where they um, have the Northern Lights. They have the Northern Lights. So it's supposed to be one of the best places in the world to see the Northern Lights. But... Um, they also have built a football pitch into the middle of these islands. I've seen You've these seen pictures. It. Yeah, yeah, amazing, right? Yeah, really they amazing. They look incredible. Yeah, unreal. Um, but what's also really exciting also about photoshopped. the photoshopped. He's going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's real. Yeah. This place on the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, but but there will be 22 million other people there looking for it as well. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, to be honest, the whole place now, um, the, the, the economy there really is driven by a sustainable fishery and tourism. Yeah. So it's a really good example of, of uh, how social media has helped create awareness of a place people have gone and people have actually helped grow the economy and also um, the sustainability of their travel 
has made the made the place better. So I'd love we to had know. the C, we had the CEO of a Global Citizen here, and he yeah. did a campaign to basically uh, send tweets to the president of Norway, and mm. she received 15 million tweets and actually called wow. him up and brought him over to Norway and said, awesome. "Would you just give up? Stop doing this, please. I'm trying to run a general election here, really? and oh. I can't even hear any of my people's voices because of oh, your wow. tweets." Oh, wow. She he goes, well, "She said, what will you do to stop it?" He's like, "Well, you know, if you just you know do what I asked and you know help me with my cause, then we'll stop the tweets." And wow. she did that. So wow. you guys have 15 million followers. You should, <laughs> if you want to go to Norway, I think we can figure this one out. <laughs> Bombard <Yeah>. her. <laughs> that is amazing. And Tom, what about you? Um, China. I feel China's pretty... You've unspoiled. not been? Uh, I've been... Well, actually, I haven't been to mainland China. No, I've been to Hong Kong. I've been to Macau. But um, but no, I'm blanking on the name of the place, but the place that um, looks like Avatar. They've, they kind of filmed... Guangzhou National. Yeah. So there is, I feel like there's so much in China. And I think a lot of people often say it literally has every climate from the mountains to the deserts to the beaches. Everything is in China. It's just it hasn't really been seen before. Mm. And what's interesting is quite a few of our creative friends have been out there. And like Google Maps is just it's not a thing there. So like you don't necessarily know where to go. So it's speaking to the locals and finding out those spots, those local spots. So they're, they're really like the un-Instagrammable places. No one's really been there before. So there's something it. about China that is I exciting. just love this. I've been to both Norway and I've been Have to China. You, huh? And yeah, I've been, been to both to, your places on your bucket list you already. What's that? Have you been to Rwanda? Rwanda? Yeah. I have not been okay. to Rwanda. God damn it. No, I <laughs> know that we're going, One up me. You're going there next week. <laughs> going you, uh, amazing to see the yeah. gorillas. And well, so this is the amazing thing about Rwanda is um, their president, President Kagame, is, uh, has started an effort to reposition the country and to drive economic development to Rwanda through tourism. Um, so he's put it as one I've of his... I've seen it. It's a it's big amazing. destination. It's just amazing. Really just... It's it's so exciting because it's taking a leader of the world who recognizes the power of travel to um, share culture, share the message of what he's doing and also inspire people to go. And most people think of uh, Rwanda um, for, for guerrillas or for, mm -hmm. or for genocide. And Hotel Rwanda is the thing that still today people talk about as of Rwanda course. when they think about it. Um, so we're, we're going out there to have a chat with them about what, what they could do and how they could position themselves differently but their whole push is um is sustainable and ecotourism so well, it's, yeah, it's know, very exciting if you need a photographer yeah. I, I, know, I know one we, we need a voiceover artist i know actually. one yeah. <laughs> yeah invite the europeans in instead of yeah. just letting people called leopold Mork. he was horrible wasn't it belgium wasn't it was it King oh, leopold? Yeah, oh really mm. yeah he was the, he was the guy who actually who created the, the whole um you know um, chopping people, you know, chopping your hands oh, really? off and chopping. Wow. Yeah, it was actually a European creation oh, wow. taken yeah. there to sort of, you know, keep the local population down. Do you so know that? We're, we're very good at bringing in. Anyway, so, so, it's quite, so, that's, <laughs> so, that's what, so that's what I think of when I think yeah. right. Sorry. Which is so, the reason so, why so, he lives so, under a rock in Oxford. And I just bring him so out so here to mix drinks. what can we look drinks. forward to? I mean, clearly not everyone can go off and look at the gorilla in the mist, can they? Yeah, so actually I have no idea. We're going to find out. I think we fly on Saturday, so we'll find out then. Where are you off to next? Um, well, we're coming up with, a, actually on, on the note of what we've been talking about, we're coming up with a campaign called Spin the Globe. And the concept behind that is going to destinations that are completely unexplored. So the idea that there is so much saturation on content in social media, what if you could actually take all the places you've been and as a, as a group of friends, write down everywhere you've been and then spin the globe and literally that day go to that destination, wherever it is. And it's basically the idea that we will land somewhere that we've never been before. And it kind of goes back to the origin mission of, of BD is that there is beauty in the world everywhere, regardless of whether that's through the people to the actual physical destination, to the culture, to the food. And our challenge is let's go and show that. And I feel it's really exciting because there aren't many travel brands that could be that spontaneous. The red tape that you'd have to go through. We're literally going to go live on Instagram that morning and say, okay, we're going to do the spin the globe. And two hours later, bags will be packed, everything. Once we've landed on 
wherever we're going. We're going to be going a couple of hours later. And we're going to take our community as well. Yeah, we're taking taking the community. Well, you yeah. know, Woodstock's not too far from New York. Yeah. So <laughs> if you want some <laughs> breakfast on the way, yeah. come and <laughs> stay with me. <laughs> Tom and Jeremy, thank you yeah. so much for coming on Shaken and Stirred. Thank what you. an amazing wow. job you've done with Beautiful Destinations. You've got to follow them out there, guys, because regardless of whether you're on a trip or not, they'll blow your mind away. And by the way, it's always worth just looking at Jeremy's Instagram because to see him on a horse <laughs> rearing, it's stuck I'll in my mind that. forever. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.